My guest today is Dr. Roger Parrott. He's president of Bellhaven University in Jackson, Mississippi, and is recognized as one of the 10 most visionary education leaders of 2021 by Education Magazine. In his latest book, Opportunity Leadership, he challenges leaders to stop planning and start getting results. And Dr. Parrott, welcome to the call. Well, thank you. What a treat to be with you. And I'm, I'm so honored because you have this huge reach and uh, you're impacting so many people uh, with the gospel. And I'm just uh, honored to get to be with you today. Thank you. Why is it time for us to stop planning and start getting results as leaders? Well, you know, the answer to that's fairly simple. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> If it worked, we'd do planning, but it doesn't work. And and I will say at the outset, what I mean by planning is long-range planning, direction-setting planning. So uh, we need to plan very well what we know God's given us. What we don't need to plan is God's future directions. But unfortunately, we've all been trained to think we have to predict where God's going to take us and make a plan to get there. And I'm saying, let's stop that. And let's stop it for two reasons. First of all, as I say, it really doesn't work. Uh, if anybody had a plan three years ago, they don't have a plan today because nobody had COVID in their plan, not one person. And That's so, right. um, and and uh, and we talk in a minute about the good things that came out of that when we didn't have a plan. But but secondly, not only does it does not work, we're settling for less than God's best. And that's what's the biggest concern to me, because in all of us seeking to do God's will, trying to be good stewards of the resources God's given us, we're so stuck in this planning model. And what we're doing is we're settling for the best of what God could do for us in our lives. And and, and I, I did an example. In fact, I wrote about in the book. We were We've been without planning at our university for about 20 years now. So we don't have a plan. If you come to our website, there's no Bellhaven 2030 that says here are the five goals and where we're going to be. Um, uh, but but I did a little exercise with my board about 12 years into this. And, and I took them a piece of paper that said five-year plan. And on that were a number of goals and it was to raise the uh, enrollment by 43%, to grow the enrollment 43%, and to raise $21 million in new gifts and build $35 million worth of buildings and, and start seven undergraduate programs and eight master's programs. And, and I got to the end of it and I said, and some of them had figured out, and I said, that's not the plan for the next five years. That's what we actually did the last five years. Now, the difference is that five years ago, I would have brought in a plan with those kinds of goals. We all would have cut it back at about half, about half of that. And we would have felt like we're really stretching for the Lord. And we'd say, we're doing God's work. Look at all we're taking on for God's work. And we would have hit our mark. But I think that's all we would have hit because we were restrained by our plan rather than freed to let God bring opportunities in our life that take us so far beyond anything we could expect. How do we do that, though? How do we just trust God with what our, not our plan, but what his plan is? I mean, does he download the plan in? I mean, 
what do we do? <laughs> well, you know, I, I always tell leaders, if you if you like the concept of not planning, uh, don't implement it tomorrow or you'll get fired. I promise. <laughs> yeah, that you, is you true. You don't want to do this overnight. It's a process and it's a culture and, and it's a mindset and a way to develop. But, but um, uh, I think there is a way to do it. And the way I encourage organizations or leaders or even people who aren't leaders, I mean, all this lead at home and, and those places as well. Think back over the last five years, the, what are list out on a piece of paper? What are the good things that happened? Now, how many of those were planned? And how many of those came by opportunities? And you think you'll find almost every time the good and most important things in your life came by opportunities. You didn't plan to do this this uh, uh, this uh, podcast that you're doing. Uh, COVID came, you said, and others were doing it. And you said, I can do that. And so you've got this huge following. You never would have planned that. That wasn't in it's, your plan. It's but true. But by responding to the opportunity and doing it quickly and not being afraid of God's opportunities, great things happen. So so on my campus, we we again, we don't have a plan. People are comfortable with that after a lot of years. But, but what we do is we, we have a framework, and we talk about it as we want to be a sailboat that's prepared to catch the wind of God and go wherever God's wind takes us rather than a powerboat that goes where we think God wants us to go, but ignores the wind. And that model can help people to get an understanding of what we're talking about here. Because, yeah, the beginning of this model of no planning is there really isn't a plan. And you know what? I When I first started talking about it, people would say, you know, that's really nice. And, and that's and it's terrific. You know, yes, God is sovereign and all. God will lead. We trust for that. But but if this doesn't work, what's the real plan? And yeah. the real plan is there is no plan. <laughs> <laughs> and what happens in planning is we go, well, we can't do that because it doesn't fit with the plan. Yeah. And and well, we're we're trying to achieve this plan, and so this opportunity comes and we ignore it. We don't even see it a lot of times because we're so focused on the plan. When we let go of the plan and we let God speak, it's amazing what will happen. And I and I think maybe the distinctor distinctive is this: I think most Christians don't expect God to bring you plans. I think most Christians think somehow God threw us the keys to the car and said, you drive, you're in charge, I trust you, you go do it. And we're going to be the best driver we can to go where God wants us to go. That's not how it works. God is still in charge of the plans, and we just have to trust it. And God will bring opportunities. I've seen it for 20 years. I've lived it. I've worked with hundreds of people who have seen it. I've talked to to, to so many senior leaders of most of the major ministries in, in America and around the world uh, about their journey, and they all say the same thing. You're absolutely right. The plan is not what made the great things happen. God brought us opportunities we never expected. But it, it's scary to think about doing it. And, and again, you've got, you've got to work your way into it. And, and so in the book, I put a little process for how you how you get there yeah i was gonna say is it it must it's laid out in your book so people have like something that they can reflect back on as they're as they're moving through this that's wonderful so um you say opportunity leadership is a mindset and how can someone see god directed results through that 
Yeah, it, it is a mindset <clears throat> because because again, we've been mindset to plan all the time. I mean, I, I mean, how many people have quoted to us if if you can't measure it, it's not worth doing, uh, and that's one of the one of those wrong tenets of planning. I, I couldn't disagree more. I mean, the transformation that takes place in the lives of one of my students when they deal with Christian worldview issues in a classroom, uh, I can't measure that. The uh, the spirit of of worship in the chapel, I've been speaking all semester on on the Beatitudes and to see what's going on. You can't measure that. When, when a football player comes to Christ because uh, his coach put his arm around him and, and explained to him the path of salvation, you can't measure that. So the things that matter most, we can't measure. But unfortunately, we build plans around that. So it is a mindset, a change. It's an outlook of, of expecting God to bring opportunities. It's building a culture. But it really comes down to a theology. Either God is in charge or he's not. And, and you can't pick and choose where God's in charge. So either God is sovereign in everything in our lives, or he's not sovereign. And if he's sovereign, why is he not sovereign over our future? Well, of course he is. But too often we get in the way, and 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 I, I think God loves us so much, he kind of lets us do our thing. When he says, I could bring you so much more, and you missed the last four I brought you because you were so busy on your plan. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And, uh, <laughs> you know? Um, so, so it is a, it, but it, it, in an organization, it takes a culture to do that. A leader cannot do that on their own. Um, you've got to build a culture because we have become so, especially in America, so built on planning as the only way to lead. The only way to move an organization forward is a plan. Um, and when I, when I wrote the book, I did not plan to make this kind of a, a business, I mean, a, a leadership model, uh, but, you know, I'm an academic, so it kind of came out a little bit that way, uh, as a leadership model. And and as a leadership model, it, I don't call it a new model. It's just a biblical model. It's going back to the foundation. And so, mm -hmm. so here, let me give you the definition, which may be interesting. I say opportunity leadership is grounded in waiting and anticipation for God-given opportunities to develop that mess seamlessly with our mission, our gifting, and our capacity, propelling us to destinations that are heavenly ordained. So the key here is that we're waiting. We're not initiating. We're waiting, and God will bring opportunities. And when those opportunities come, a lot of people say, well, well how do I know which opportunities? It's, it's not that hard. They mess seamlessly with our mission, our gifting, and our and our and our capacity. So you have to know your mission inside and out. You just got to really understand. And I have some pretty hard questions in the in the in the book about mission, um, because you've got to know your mission. What has God called you to do that nobody else has been called to do? And then secondly, what's your gifting? What are you good at? Uh, you know, you you lead Bible studies. You're really good at that. Uh, and, and so if an opportunity comes in that arena, you, you're ready to go for a lot of people, they'd be overwhelmed. That's not their gifting. Stay away from it. And then what's your capacity? And sometimes we have capacity organizationally or personally, and other times we don't, we're filled up. And, uh, so I think you've got to manage those three 
barometers in understanding which opportunities we're going to capture and then create this mindset that begins to let go of planning. What I'm finding is people have a hard time just saying, well, I'm going to turn off the switch of planning. Uh, you don't have to do that. It, it, this can work. This can overlap for a while. And what I think people will find over time is as they embrace it and they get comfortable with it and they build a culture that lets go of planning, they will they will eventually get away from the structures of planning that take too much of their time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, which leads me into, you know, how about people that, um, you know, they're looking for those opportunities. How does the Opportunity Leadership Book challenge and train someone for that? Well, I, I think you know, the key is you do have to look for them and you have to expect they're coming. And what I find is that if we can go back to the sailboat um, metaphor for a minute, what I find is when God's wind blows, it blows very gently at first. Uh, God doesn't knock us over with his wind and say, get in the boat and let's go. There's a very gentle wind at the beginning. And again, I think so often we are focused on our, our plan um, uh, and, and the structure of our planning which all does a lot of bad things as well, um, that we don't even sense those opportunities. You know, one of the big differences here, which is really kind of interesting, is that long-range planning is usually a listing of our deficiencies. So we think as an organization or as a church or a ministry, what 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 could we where where do we want to go? Well, we think about what we don't have. And what we could wish we could do. And then we focus on everything we don't have. And that becomes kind of the centerpiece of who we are in our culture. Opportunity leadership's the other way around. We focus on what we do have. What has God given us? What are the blessings God gives, gives us? And let's see if God brings us opportunities to enhance those further. And so we're focused very positively on what God has done rather than frustrated about what God hasn't done. And, uh, and and so I think as you get rid of this mindset of planning, as you get rid of the of the structure that comes around it, you know, you know, planning pretty much homogenizes our strengths. Um, you know, if, if I mean, I lead a university, and if I did a plan, and made and left out a portion of that school, I mean, people would go crazy, they, they'd hate that. And, you know, but but Bellhaven University is one of only 34 schools in America in the in nationally accredited in all four of the arts, music, theater, visual art, and dance. We're the only Christian school in America that is. And part of the reason we were able to do that is we were building up, God was bringing opportunities to build up our arts program. At the same time, you know, the, the poor students in STEM didn't have the right equipment and then the football team was playing in a in a cow pasture. Uh, thankfully, those things are, are changed now, but we were able to focus on the arts because we didn't have, have a plan. Planning tends to homogenize our strengths and, and then it gives us unrealistic expectations. You know, and so that's part of it as well. When we make a plan, we, we envision this perfect future. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work out that way. And we got to let some of that go. But, but you know, when, pe when people who are afraid of making this mindset shift, I mean, again, COVID has been a great example of that. And, and COVID has done some horrible things. My daughter's one of the, the longest uh, suffering COVID long people in America. She got COVID 
Liquid uh, in November of ninety uh, of two thousand nineteen uh, in China with me, and so and so she'd been in bed ever since. So I see the pain of COVID, but at the same time, in leadership, look at the good things that happened in COVID. We learned to to respond quickly. We learned to be much more creative than we ever thought we'd be. Who thought churches could have church without people coming on Sunday morning? Who yeah. thought restaurants could serve without people coming into the dining room? Who thought you could have a presidential inauguration without a crowd? Uh, we got creative. We we moved fast. We built small teams around projects where I'm trying to include everybody. We made decisions quickly. Those are all the things of opportunity leadership. We just need to keep that up. And, you know, I tell my campus all the time, my biggest fear after COVID is we're going to think it's going back how it was and it's never going back how it was mm -hmm. uh, in any arena. We've got to think differently. And so this this quick ability to move, to respond, to to change, people did that during COVID. Leaders did that during COVID who had been married to planning forever. They forgot the plan and they just led. And that's what we need to do. Get away from that plan and just start leading. Uh, you know, I, I'm I don't encourage leaders to get rid of everything you know about leadership. I, I'm you know I'm a study study Harvard Business Review as well. So all that stuff's good. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But I'm saying for opportunity leadership, godly people who are going to capture opportunities, you've got to put some things on top of that. And there's six of those. And and one is to really capture this idea that leading without a plan is the plan. And that's a hard thing for people to do. It takes a theology of trust. You have to completely uh, trust and, and almost be with abandon that there is no plan. That You got to work up to that. That's not easy. The second is staying in your lane. Again, coming back to knowing your gifting, knowing your capacity, knowing your mission. You know, we can so easily be driving down the car and there's a the, the highway and there's a car next to us. And they're going about the same speed. They're about the same kind of car. They're going in about the same direction. It's real easy to drift into that lane. But in leadership, that's not our lane. Find your lane and stay in that lane. And then realize that making decisions uh, don't solve the problems. So often I see leaders making their own problems for the future by seeing an immediate problem and making a decision that doesn't impact the long-term outcome of that. So for every decision they make to solve a problem, they just created three more because they're not thinking and looking over the horizon. So, so I'm, I'm wanting people to do that. And, and then I'm wanting to, you know, to, to really get out front. Leaders, leaders are using planning to hide behind it. And um, and we need to be getting out front. We need to be doing things. We need to be taking some risks, you know. Uh, I'll give you a couple examples of that. Um, we, uh, again, I told you we have this big arts program and, uh, and have, you know, a third of our campus are in the arts and, um, and we're really big in STEM as well and, and stuff. So, but our arts enrollments were starting to go down about four years ago. And, and my, my daughter was a theater major. So I understand an art parent perspective. You know, I want to say to Madison, well, I'm really glad you want to sing and dance and be in the theater, but what are you really going to do to earn a living, you know? And and arts parents think that way, and, and I get it. At the same time, I'm a champion for the arts students because they have a calling to do this thing, mm -hmm. and, and their passion is to do it. So what we did is we put in an opportunity for a double major for those students, and we said, 
if you take a double major and it pushes into you into your fifth year, you can come tuition free. So I got dancers who are now business majors and I got theater students who are also in chemistry. And, uh, you know, I've got creative writers who are also in uh, PR and, and, and it gives them that opportunity to invest. Now I came up with that and I, and I thought it was a good idea. I tested it with about six of my team. We thought it was a good idea and we implemented it in about two weeks. And uh, it wasn't a big process. It wasn't a big, uh, but leaders got to get out in front. I didn't test it with the board. I didn't test it with a lot of people. It, it made sense, and we did it. I, I'll tell you another one we did, which really, I, I just love it. As we got into the second year of COVID, you know, I could just tell students were down. They were discouraged. And, you know, a lot of these students hadn't had a normal day of high school in a couple of years. And, and we wanted to lift them up. And I thought, what could we do to get them focused on the future? And we started, we decided we're going to give every student who graduates from our traditional program a free master's degree. And so we gave them all a free master's degree for the future. And, uh, you know, again, that was a quick decision. We didn't go through a lot of process. We tested it with the people who had to give input into it to make sure it stood up to the idea. We, we ran the numbers on it financially. It worked and off we went. Now, <clears throat> leaders got to get out front the lead on stuff like that. If I'd run that through a bunch of committees and a bunch of planning process, we would have missed the moment. It would have been long gone by the time we'd had all the meetings to get there. So you got to get out front. And so, you know, my students today have something nobody else in the country has. They can get a double major with a fifth year tuition free and then get a free master's degree um, to come to Bellevue. It's, it's a terrific thing. But that takes a leader who's willing to get out front and take a little bit of risk with it and, and to make it happen quickly. And I think in leadership, we get so many opportunities to come, but we are so slow by the time we run them through our process and we run them through our systems, it's too late. We missed the moment. And so, so I really encourage that. You know, I really encourage uh, another one of those talents is to emulate uh, uh, baseball managers instead of football coaches. And, uh, you know, I'm here in the deep South and the SEC and, and I've got a football team. In fact, we're, we're six and one pretty proud of that. So, uh, uh, you know, and I understand uh, football coaches have kind of become our ideal in the Christian church for how to coach and, and uh, lead, you know, you got Tony Dungy and others, uh, who speak at the conferences, but I think it's the wrong model. I think it's the wrong model. And if you look at the difference, Football coaches are all about control and precision, and they work at a time constraint. It's about team synchronization. It's about a predetermined plan. I mean, my coach calls the first 20 plays before they ever step on the field. They know what they're going to run. Uh, and it's about winning every single game. I mean, if you lose more than one, uh, you're in trouble. I mean, Alabama's lost the game now, and everybody's written them off for the national championship. Um, you can't do that. Uh, the baseball is totally different. Baseball managers, baseball rewards anticipation. It, it's reactionary to what's going on around you. It's about personal ingenuity. It's about flexibility. It's about interwoven purposes. And in baseball, you can lose about 30% of the games and still win the World Series. So, but here's the big difference for leaders. I've noticed, and, 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 and if, if people who are listening, and we'll, we'll notice when you watch a base football game and the pressure's on, the camera always goes to the coach every single time. 
when you watch a baseball game and the pressure's on, the camera goes to the player. And as leaders, we need to get this camera off of us and get this on the people who are doing the work in the front lines for the Lord, lift them up, build them up, not make it all about us. And that's part of the downfall of planning as well. It's too much centers around us as a single leader rather than around the ministry of the whole. Really trust God for what's going to happen. When did you overcome that yourself? Like that moment when you knew, I, yeah. I got to stop planning. Now I got to like, <laughs> hand it to God. <laughs> it was in 2001. And uh, I had only been at Bellhaven for five years. We were coming up on our evaluation with our creditors, and we had some trouble in the past with some issues. And one of those issues was planning. So I called uh, a, a colleague, the president of Sanford University, uh, Tom Quartz, and, I, and he happened to be chair of the accrediting board as well. And I said, Tom, uh, I'm, I'm, having, I'm new here, and I've never been in this region before, and I don't understand exactly what they want for planning. I said, can you give me some advice? And he said, I'll do better than that. He said, I'll come over and spend a half day with you. And he came over, and he came with his vice president for planning. He's got a vice president for planning. And I'll never forget, he was sitting in my conference room, and we worked through this stuff, and then he kind of turned to me and kind of turned to his vice president for planning. He said, you know, I don't think there's been one thing of significance that's happened at my university that we ever planned. And that clicked the light bulb for me. And I thought, you know, I've been a college president at that point, still a long time. I mean, this is my 37th year. Uh, th- uh, 37th year in college presidency. So I've been at this a long time. And I thought, he's absolutely right. The planning doesn't work. There's got to be a better way. And so that's when we began this journey. And when I started the journey, nobody else was doing it. So we kind of had to find our way. And then as it developed over these last 20 years, and we've been able to create a model for how it works. That's why I wrote the book so others can follow the pattern for how to do it and understand that how to embrace speed and get comfortable with risk and learn how to flex and deal with roadblocks. I mean, I address all those things. I want the book to be very practical. It's not about just making you feel bad. You got a plan. It's really about a very practical hands-on way for a different way uh, to lead. And that is to get out of the way and, and of this planning process and really start to make a difference for the kingdom. So you can get the book Opportunity Leadership at opportunityleadership.com. And Dr. Parrott, what would you like to leave my audience with today? Well, it's, uh, you know, everybody is uniquely gifted. Everybody has unique mission reach that nobody else can do. The people who are listening can do things I could never do. And so let God speak into that. Let God lead you in that. And just take the next seven days and look for opportunities. You don't have to act on them. Just look for them the next seven days. I think you'd be shocked how many opportunities to impact somebody's life, to do something different, to reach into a place you hadn't planned will come to you if you just trust God for it. I pray this program has strengthened and encouraged you. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, Paul says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Are you serving and leading God's way? Because God speaks to you every day. Are you listening to the call?